Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will be picking up the text in Genesis 32, verse 9. We are looking at the topic of Jacob's continued growth in the faith. And we saw that he can take comfort from God's presence through angelic messengers in verses 1 and 2. We can take comfort from the messages that God has given us through the Word of God. Uh, And so that's the carryover to our day and age. In verses 3 through 8, we noted that believers may face threatening and dangerous situations as he perceives that his brother, who last time they spoke, was coming to meet him with an army, a small army, 400 men, not even that small. He uh, recognized that he was potentially in a very dangerous situation, and there are ways to respond to that. And we saw there was strategy and the perception and trying to use the mind that God has given him, and we noted his reaction. Now in verses 9 to 12, we note that believers may pray for God's protection with confidence. And of course, we recognize that Jacob has been given the promises of God, and he is now going to pray with confidence because of those things. Let's take a moment and read the text. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only my staff I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two camps. Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me, the mothers, with the children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude." So believers may pray for God's protection with confidence. We see here in verse 9 that believers can and should recall uh, to their own minds the promises of God. He is saying, uh, you told me, right? O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac. Uh, That formula right there is recalling that the covenant was first made with Abraham and Isaac. He is remembering accurately that he has now been named in that line to inherit that blessing. He stands to receive that blessing and God has already named him and said, I was the God of Abraham and the God of your father, and now I will be your God. And so he is recalling that just in that. And then he said, you did tell me to come to this country, (laughs) return to this country. And so what we should do in times where we are facing Uh, fears and facing tribulation and potential uh, uh, conflict in our lives is we should pray with confidence and recall the words of God. God, you led me to this place. You have given me these promises. I will never leave you or forsake you. Uh, You know, I'm thinking of other things. This isn't what God has said necessarily to Jacob, but there are things that we can take into our own account, into our own lives. 
And so we can pray for God's protection with confidence. Lord, your will be done. I know that I'm safe in the middle of your will. I know that to be outside of your will is an unsafe place. And if the center of your will places me in harm's way, so be it. But Lord, will you protect me according to your promises and to your word? And here Jacob can say, you directed me uh, to leave. You directed me to come back here. And now from my vantage point, it seems like things are going to about to go south very quickly. Uh, Help me in my time of distress. Help me in my hour of trouble, according to your promises. Then in verse 10, we see that believers should express humility and dependence on God. And this is kind of a shift in Jacob's life. This is good. Okay, this this is a good thing. This is the maturing process, this growth uh, of his faith. Notice what he says here. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown your servant. Stop right there. He's going to explain that further, but it's this is really definitely a change in his stance and his posture. We see a very proud man, somebody who's willing to usurp, uh, you know, his own family members and to, to go behind their backs and to do things uh, that are quite shady at best. And now he is recognizing that it's not simply the work of his hands. He had begun to acknowledge that earlier, recognizing that the blessings he had and the blessings that Laban had experienced were because of God's hand upon him. But now it comes full circle. It's not that he deserves the blessings that have come upon him. He is now recognizing that God has given them to him and he was not, in fact, worthy. And that's a true statement. This is the best place to be to recognize that the gifts that God has given us, we are not worthy to receive them, but God is loving and God is merciful and God is gracious to give us these things. That is the correct attitude with which we should come to God. And I think that the obvious carryover here and uh, application is we, if we have believed the gospel, stand to inherit eternal life because of the promises of Jesus Christ and the word of God. Are we worthy to receive eternal life? The answer is no. Uh, We might at some point after having a long time in the gospel think that we somehow are worthy of that, but we never are. That's never something uh, that that we are worthy of. And so we want to make sure that we, we frame that correctly. It is good to see Jacob coming around to a right Uh, right view of himself, a a good theology. So he is expressing humility and dependence on God with that statement. And at the end of that statement, he's recalling the works of God up to that point. So this is the last half of verse 10. And he says, for with my staff, I crossed this Jordan. Now I have become two camps. And that is a very rich laden uh, expression there because he's basically saying, when I left, I left by myself. Now I'm so large that I've become these two camps because he's divided uh, into two because he's afraid of encountering Esau. But he's got all these children. He has all these wives. He has all these servants. He has all this livestock with him. He, uh, and, and all of it is because of what God has done. That's not guaranteed. And yet it is what God has done for him. And so that's a wonderful thing. And by the way, when we are petitioning the Lord and we should be in a state of petition every day, we should be, uh, you know, sending our requests up to the throne and knowing that we have all day access to the throne of God, all of those things. When we do that, 
we should be as a part of a regular part of prayer acknowledging the work that God has done in our life. The, and, and that's why we want to regularly rehearse the blessings of God, the answered prayer, the opportunities for the gospel, the, the ways that he's provided for us, whether financially or otherwise, and the small things, the big things. Sometimes we're looking for those mountaintop experiences and the blessings of God sometimes are very small and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, All right? So believers can and should recall their own in their own mind the promises of God, verse 9. They should express humility and dependence on God, the first part of verse 10. They should recall the works of God up to that point, the last part of verse 10. And in verses 11 and 12, they should petition God according to his promises. In verse 11, the first uh, petition that is made is, please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. This is according to his promises that he has just laid out. He said, return to this land. I will make of you, you know, a great nation. I will bring all the the blessings and the promises that I have made to your fathers before you, to you. And so he says, based on that, please deliver me from the hand of Esau, from the hand of my brother. And it's okay, by the way, to express your own fears. Uh, we should, when we talk to the Lord, be very transparent. We can't hide anything from him anyway. So it's okay to say that we fear him or we fear our enemies. There's something natural about that. Even, you know, yes, the scriptures say, fear not for I am with you. Uh, be not dismayed for I am your God. We, we understand that, that it shouldn't be there. And just as the scripture also commands us not to be anxious, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your thanks or your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving, right? We know that. Uh, do not let your hearts be anxious. Uh, and so we, we understand all of those admonitions in scripture and those imperatives, and yet we're still prone to those things. It doesn't mean it's sinful, but we do need to have a right view of God, of the scriptures, a right theology. And when we experience those things, they should become a part of our prayer. Lord, I am anxious over this. I confess to you. I, even as I'm recording this, I am, uh, there's a situation that I'm struggling with right now that's giving me great anxiety. And I know that I shouldn't be prone to anxiety. Uh, but, you know, when there are certain things happening and uh, it's just, it's hard not to. And I woke up last night and I had very restless sleep thinking about this situation. That's just terrible. It eats at me. It gnaws at me. Well, you know, you can tell me all day long that I shouldn't be anxious. And I get that. But it also means that when I pray to the Lord, I have to confess to him, Lord, I have, you know, I'm anxious over this. This is causing me a great deal of distress. It's okay to say those things. And it's right for Jacob to say this with regard to Esau. No problem here. Deliver me because I fear him. And not only do I fear him, practical reason for myself here, but also uh, why do we petition God for his deliverance? Because he said that he would, verse 12. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea. You know, I'm looking around and yes, you've blessed me with children. And even though by today's standards, it's a large family, that's not like the sand of the sea. I have some people come to me and tell me that I have a lot of children. Well, it's not, it's, I guess it's a lot by some, not a lot by others measures. Uh, we have five children. The Lord has blessed us with five children here, uh, one in heaven. Uh, so we understand that, but that's not like the sand of the seashore. And so I think Jacob understands that that has not come to pass yet. And if he dies right now at the hand of his brother, 
Well, you know, he, so he can petition that. And part of his prayer to the Lord isn't just for himself. I fear Esau, but it's because, well, you've said that you were going to do these things. So according to your word, please deliver me. That's a great formula for prayer. Okay. We base our prayer on the promises of God. We uh, express humility during our prayer. We recall the works of God in our prayer, and we petition God according to his word in our prayer. So verses 9 to 12 actually kind of give us a pattern for prayer in our lives. That's encouraging. Now verses 13 to 21, we see this, that a lack of faith may cost the believer more than is necessary. Let's take a pass through this passage here, this section. So he stayed there that night. And from what he had with him, he took a present for his brother Esau, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their calves, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. These he handed over to his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, pass on ahead of me and put a space between drove and drove. He instructed the first, when Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, to whom do you belong? Where are you going? And whose are these ahead of you? Then you shall say they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a present sent to my Lord Esau. And moreover, he is behind us. He likewise instructed the second and the third and all who followed the droves. You shall say the same thing to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, moreover, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he thought I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me. And afterward, I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on ahead of him. And he himself stayed that night in the camp. So he said here in these verses from 13 to 21 that a lack of faith, he's not quite fully mature in his faith. So even though he's made this incredible petition the right way, there's still a little lack of faith here in in all of this. And so it may cost the believer more than is necessary. Now, the Lord has the ability to work in spite of that, and he does. But he's going to send Esau just an incredible, incredible gift here. And in Jacob's mind, it it appears that he is bargaining for his very life. So if his life is forfeit, what does it matter if he, you know, has all of his camels and all of his oxen and everything like that? So, you know, I think from a human standpoint, from just a total you know, secular standpoint, if you will. And, and obviously he is acknowledging the Lord here, but he's still thinking according to the flesh, uh, this is a small price to pay for his life, but it's going to be a very costly gift. So right on the heels of this prayer, it becomes apparent that he still views Esau as a threat, even though he's trusting the Lord, petitioning the Lord, according to his promises, he still views Esau as a threat and he just wants to appease him materially. Now, Esau is not going to be one who fears the Lord greatly. And so if anything, if that strategy would work, it's going to work with Esau. And there are three separate and lavish gifts here that you you see, you know, because the representation of wealth in that day is according to the livestock and is according to all these things. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, milking camels and their calves, cows and bulls, female donkeys, male donkeys. Uh, This is a royal, royal gift. And the purpose of this, he thought, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me, and afterward I shall see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. Now, I don't know. I can't say what would happen. Only the Lord can say what would happen if he had not sent those gifts ahead. We do know that Esau responds and says, hey, this isn't necessary. I've built wealth for myself later on. 
but the fact is, is would he have been more offended? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. The Lord knows that. But even if he had been offended and Jacob hadn't sent that gift ahead of him, is the Lord able to protect Jacob and his family from Esau even without a gift? Yes. So there gets to be this discussion then. At what point are you still exercising faith or acting out of fear? Uh, you know, and, and I guess we'll just have to save that and chew on that uh, our, ourselves and maybe leave that unanswered because each person is going to respond a little bit differently. We, we know that if we had the true amount of faith, even a little bit of faith, Jesus says, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain up and be thrown into the sea and it would, it would obey you. Uh, you know, which one of us has that kind of faith? He's saying, if you truly had faith and not saying you could just command anything to happen in the world, but incredible things happen with faith. So real true faith, uh, would be able to look at the promises of God and say, you know what, it's not necessary for me to just give a huge portion of my wealth away to try and protect myself. I trust God. But on the other hand, uh, maybe we don't have that kind of faith and we act this way. And regardless, I think the prayer that he offered was a good, sincere, solid, theologically based prayer. And I think that the response we see still shows a little bit of that fleshly side, but that's okay. Uh, He's still growing and we're all at different places in our walk with the Lord as well. That's all we have time for today. We'll pick up the text next time in Genesis 32, starting in verse 22. This has been another podcast of Expositional Excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.